2020 has been a strange year, hasn't it? I mean, on so many levels, but I think about how many of us could have imagined that there would be a frenzy over toilet paper. If you think back to March and April, and even a little bit right now, that if anyone snags a couple packages of toilet paper from the store, or if they have a different, decent stockpile at home, they are so thankful. Think about how before COVID we all probably valued toilet paper, but COVID has taught us to be thankful for toilet paper. Now, Thanksgiving, as we know, is coming up this week, and for many of us, this Thanksgiving is going to feel very different than Thanksgivings that we are used to. And there are many people out there who really don't feel very thankful this year. You know, I think of all the years when Thanksgiving is most difficult, 2020 is probably the year. Yet at the same time, of all the years when Thanksgiving is most needed, 2020 is probably also that year. If you are following along in the Bible this morning, I invite you to turn it to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. One of the really neat things about the Psalms is that they can meet us wherever we are emotionally. If we are facing some things that are really uh, difficult, that are getting us down, there are psalms for you. Yeah, on the other hand, if you're overflowing with joy, there are also psalms for you. Psalms meet us wherever we are. Yet one of the things about the psalms is they don't leave us where we are. They aim to move us closer to God. And today, as we look at Psalm 34, we're going to see how it's intended to teach us about gratitude. So I invite you to follow along as I read Psalm 34. It's written by King David, and he begins by saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes his boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. So we're going to spend most of our time today in these first three verses. I'm going to draw from these three verses three applications about gratitude. And the first application is that true gratitude is theocentric. Theocentric is a fancy word that simply means it's centered on God. These first verses really focus in on God. David writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, in the Old Testament, whenever you see that term Lord in all caps, it's referencing the name Yahweh. Yahweh is the most intimate personal name for God in the Old Testament. And we see here in the first three verses, bless the Lord, boast in the Lord, magnify the Lord. It shows that true gratitude is theocentric. It's all centered on God. Now, when we think about gratitude, an appropriate expression of gratitude not only says I'm thankful for these things, it also says I'm thankful to whoever it is that the giver is. I think back to when I graduated from high school I received a lot of graduation gifts, and a lot of them came from family and friends, including some from people I barely knew. Now, I really enjoyed receiving all those gifts, but my mom kept nagging me to write thank you notes. Now, in my immaturity, I did not want to write thank you notes. I wanted to enjoy the gifts. I may have felt thankful in my heart for the gifts, but frankly, I did not want to write thank you notes. To me, it felt like just an unnecessary burden. But I, 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 my mom kept trying to convince me, and finally she did, that it's not enough just to be thankful in your heart for the gifts. It's not enough just to enjoy the gifts. It's important to say thank you to the people who gave the gifts. And so eventually I wrote the thank you notes. 
But that shows how gratitude really has those two parts. We're thankful for stuff and we're thankful to someone. And ultimately, all of our gratitude for all the blessings we have in our lives needs to go to God. Because ultimately, you can trace every blessing that you have in your life back to God. And the gratitude should go to God. Now, you may be thinking in your mind about this. Well, you know, don't I work hard? Don't I um, deserve some of the credit because, you know, I work, I make money. Um, don't other people around me deserve some gratitude as well for the things they do? And the answer is definitely yes. But at the same time, like I said, every single blessing we have can ultimately be traced back to God. And the gratitude ultimately needs to go not just to other people around us, but it needs to go to God. Because you think about it, who gave you a functional body and brain to make money? Who put you in a place where there is clean water and abundant food? Who put people around you who care for you? Ultimately, it's God. So he's the one who deserves the thanks. True gratitude centers on God. That is the first point I want to make from these first three verses. The second one is that because gratitude is theocentric, it can be continuous. Look with me to verse 1. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This sounds very much like what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, when he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. He didn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. No, there's a difference. He said, give thanks in all circumstances. He says, regardless of what circumstances you find yourself in, there are still reasons to give thanks to God. And this is something that's very distinctive about Christianity. I mean, this is not just the power of positive thinking. It's not just having an optimistic outlook on things. It's recognizing that we have a God who is real. A God who promises to never leave us nor forsake us. A God who has given his own son that we may be reconciled with him. A God whose kingdom will reign forever and ever. And a God who has shared his victory with us. This is the God who we have. This is the God who we serve. And this is the God to whom we can always give thanks regardless of our circumstances. Look with me here to verse 2. King David says, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Now, think about boasting for a minute. What's the context in which someone would typically boast? Typically, people boast about things that are going well for them. Maybe accomplishments or something they are proud of. But if our boasting is only based in circumstances, our boasting will go up and down. It'll come and it'll go based on our circumstances. Yet, King David writes, My soul makes this boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. So he's boasting in the Lord, and he talks about the humble. Now, back in that culture, now, I mean, in today's culture, humility is seen as a virtue to pursue. Back then, humility was not something that was held up on a pedestal as someone good. Instead, someone who was seen as humble was someone who had circumstances lined up against them. The difficulties of life were getting them down. They were the people who were down and out. Life had laid them low. Yet King David says, you know what? Even if life is beating you down, God is still good and you can still boast in him. My soul makes this boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And so because gratitude is theocentric, 
we can give, uh, give gratitude all the time. It's, it's to be continuous. Now, the third application from these opening verses is that because gratitude is theocentric, we should call others to join in. We should call others to join in the gratitude to God. Verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So it's the idea of, of calling others to join in giving thanks to God. Back in 1863, the president was Abraham Lincoln. And he said, quote, the, the blessings in our lives are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. That's a profound statement, isn't it? We are prone to forget the source from which they come. And so to fix this, he declared Thanksgiving to be a national holiday. He said about Thanksgiving, he said, it has seemed fit to me, fit and proper, that these blessings should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands, to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. That's a remarkable phrase, isn't it? He's calling everyone to give thanks and praise to God, recognizing him as the giver of all blessings. And I like the idea. It's not just calling to give thanks. It's a call to give praise to God. That's the origin of thanksgiving. Now, Abraham Lincoln did not originate this idea. It actually comes straight from the Bible. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. It's a call that we are to join together in giving God thanks. Picture with me a campfire. I mean, you've seen campfires or bonfires. When you get the logs and they're all piled up nicely together, it burns brightly. But if you just separate the logs, they will go out quite quickly. And that's how gratitude works as well. That when you get people together giving gratitude to God, it creates a brighter flame of gratitude. It sparks more and more gratitude in others. And that's why it's important that we share our gratitude with those around us. On this Thanksgiving, I want to encourage you to make sure that you are sharing with others your gratitude, why you are thankful to God, and why you may be thankful to them as well, whether you're sharing that with them in person or over the phone or over Zoom. It's important that we invite others into our gratitude because we have a great God. So we've seen from these first three verses that true gratitude is theocentric. And because it is centered on God, it can be continuous, and we should invite others to give thanks and praise to God as well. Now let's move on briefly through the rest of this passage. David goes on in the next few verses to give personal testimony about why he is thankful. But his motive here is not just to tell about why he's thankful. His motive is also to teach us how to be thankful as well. And so he gives some general principles to apply to our lives also. Let's pick up in verse 4. He says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. 
And so in these verses, verses 4 through 7, there's a pattern. There's personal testimony, and then there's a general principle. There's personal testimony, and then there's a general principle. And one of the things that David is trying to teach us is to thank God for his work and goodness when things are going well. That is very appropriate. Thank God for his work and for his goodness when things are going well. In verse 8, David writes, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So David here is reminding the Israelites and reminding us of God's goodness and his provision. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, when we recognize the goodness of God, it's so much easier to give him thanks. Now, verse 11, he says, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So again, a main focus of this, of this psalm is to teach us. And he says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And when we fear the Lord, which is the idea of giving God reverence and awe, uh, of treasuring him above all, above all else, that gives us the appropriate God-centered perspective that enables us to have continual thanks and praise to him. Because if we do not fear the Lord, if we're focused on just the circumstances around us, we're going to get caught up in those circumstances and our sense of of well-being and even our sense of gratitude is going to go up and down. But if we fear the Lord, if we are standing in awe of him, if we are treasuring him above all else, it'll give us the heart that's ready to give him thanks in all circumstances. Because he is always good and he is always worthy of praise. Now let's jump down to verse 17. David writes, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Now most of the psalm is focused on when things are going well. David is talking about answered prayers. He's talking about just obvious blessings. But what happens when things aren't going as well? And I think it's, it's comforting that David addresses that as well. And he says that when things aren't going as well, we can still thank God for his presence and his future deliverance when things aren't going well. He says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Brokenhearted, crushed in spirit. You know, sometimes in our lives we face circumstances that are just horrible or that are heartbreaking or just, just negative things that just go on and on and just wear us down and frustrate us over time. King David knows that very well from his own personal life. And we certainly know that from our lives as well. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. In verse 19, he says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Afflictions of the righteous. That shows that even when we are seeking to follow God faithfully, we will still face challenges and heartaches and difficulties. But we have the promise of God's presence in our lives. Thank God for his presence and his future deliverance, even when things are not going well. Let me share with you the story of the first Thanksgiving. Because I think the first Thanksgiving, so many centuries ago, helps us to see 
how we can give thanks to God and how that giving thanks to God is good even when circumstances are difficult. So, let's rewind 400 years, exactly 400 years, to 1620. In 1620, there are 102 people from England who boarded a ship and came over here to the New World. And in November of that year, they landed in what is now Plymouth, Massachusetts. Now, they were very ill-prepared for that first winter. I mean, you think, this is taking place almost exactly 400 years ago, November of 1620. 102 people came here to the New World. But again, they were woefully prepared for that first winter. Starvation and disease ravaged them. In that first year, the mortality rate was especially high for the women. In that first year that they were in the New World, 78% of the women who came over on the Mayflower died. I mean, you talk about a bad year. I mean, 1620 makes 2020 kind of pale in comparison in terms of, of how hard it is. I think when we are tempted to complain, it's helpful to get some perspective, both globally and historically, to realize, hey, things might be challenging, but at the same time, a little bit of perspective doesn't hurt as we process things. Now, the next year, 1621, they had a tremendous harvest, and things were going much better circumstantially for them, and they realized, no, we need to give thanks to God. It's time to celebrate that things are going much better, and so they held a three-day feast and celebration, specifically giving thanks to God. At that first Thanksgiving, there were 53 colonists and 90 Native Americans. That's kind of wild, isn't it? 90 Native Americans, 53 colonists at the first Thanksgiving. But you hear that 53 colonists, they started with 102. Now they're down to only 53. And again, the women were especially hard hit. Only four adult women survived that first year in the New World. You think about that. They left behind husbands. They left behind children. Yet they are still here giving thanks. I mean, their thanks and stuff, I mean, it was a mixed bag, to say the least. I mean, yes, they can celebrate a great harvest. Yes, they can celebrate being thankful for all the immense help given to them by the Native Americans. But at the same time, they look around their Thanksgiving table, and it's very evident to them who is not there. Lots of people, 49 people died in that first year. It would be very clear who is not there, yet they are still giving thanks to God. I think about us here in 2020. Our circumstances have been different than theirs, but our circumstances have been difficult. This Thanksgiving season, as we look around the table, things may look quite different. We may notice people who are not there, who are normally, there, who are normally there. Maybe it's because of concerns about COVID, and we're just taking some safety precautions with that, and so we aren't together for those reasons. Maybe it's because loved ones who have been there previously are not there this year whether it's because they died or some other reason. Maybe they died here in 2020 or maybe it was sometime in the past, but still there's an absence, there's an emptiness in our heart because they are not here. And for us this Thanksgiving, maybe it's just we're grieving. It's not the same as Thanksgiving's in the past. You know, for us this year, Thanksgiving uh, may feel like there are mixed blessings, like, like there are some things that we wish were different. Yet, like those early settlers, we can still give 
thanks. Remember, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Next week, Pastor Greg is going to be digging even deeper into how to give thanks when we don't feel like giving thanks. But we can still remember that there are always many reasons to give thanks to God. Now let's look at the last verse of the psalm. Verse 22. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. You know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of Jesus. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So above all else, let us thank God for eternal life through Jesus. You know, no matter how challenging life in this world gets, even if everything around us seems to be falling apart, we still have the gospel. We still have this promise, this great news that God in his tremendous love for us has given his only son to pay the death penalty we deserve for our sins so that through faith in him we can be reconciled with him, having hope and purpose in this life and beyond. That is something we can cling to no matter how challenging the circumstances of this life get. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned, but will, instead will experience life and hope with God. And so this, I, I think, is really the biggest reason for gratitude. Jesus is the greatest blessing of all. And so as we approach Thanksgiving this week, we recognize it feels a little different this year, doesn't it? But I think that this year, you know, it's just indicative of life in this broken world. That, that life is challenging. You know, I mean, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. And I think of all the years when we need Thanksgiving. 2020 may be the year we need it the most. A year that's been kind of crazy and chaotic. It's hard to believe we're already here near the, near the end of November. Thanksgiving is almost upon us. But I think we need Thanksgiving this year. We need this opportunity to take a step back from the craziness of daily life to turn our eyes to God, to list out all the blessings that are still in our lives, and to give him the thanks and the praise that he deserves. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for so many gifts, so many blessings that you give us. We look at our lives, and yes, our lives this year have not been what we expected. There have been many challenges this year, but Lord, we thank you that we can still trust you. Thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you for Jesus, who gives us the promise of being with you for eternity in a place much better than what we're experiencing now. But we thank you that even here and now that we have you with us. We thank you, Lord, for many, many blessings that you do give us. And Lord, even as we may be grieving in a way this week at things that aren't the way that they used to be or aren't the way that we wish they were, Lord, help us to still trust in you. And help us, empower us by your Holy Spirit to surrender our lives to you and to look to you, to fix our eyes on you, and to give you the thanks and praise that you deserve. For Lord, even when we face challenges, you are always a good and a faithful God. Thank you that we can trust you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.